Hey everybody, this is Richard Conwisher, and it's my honor to serve as the senior pastor of Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us for what we are calling Quest. It's a biblical journey where we are reading the Bible together. The ultimate search where we find out that God is actually searching for us. Many people have attempted to read the Bible from cover to cover, and what we find is that many people start out with great hope and don't make it to the end of the quest. We hope that this year will be different for you. Instead of trying to read the entire Bible in terms of every word and every page, we've highlighted the key chapters, and with only about 30 minutes or so per week worth of reading, we know that you will get the whole arc of the story, and that everything you read after that will have more meaning and depth and significance and beauty and wonder. And so we're glad that you're joining us on this quest. What we will do is we will read each week's portion of it because we know that so many of you are busy and might not have time to sit down and to read it with your own eyes. And what's interesting about this as you potentially listen to this in your car or while you're washing the dishes in the kitchen or while you're on a morning walk or exercise routine is that the Bible was intentionally and originally meant to be heard. For most of human history, the Bible was spoken aloud and repeated and repeated. And so we hope that with this podcast, you will get to hear each week's worth of reading and that you ask questions and you explore and you go back and you look deeper. I know that my Bible quest has been a lifelong journey and that my hunger for God only continues to grow throughout the years. And so we're grateful that you're with us. And if you want to find out more information or get more resources on the reading, go to peachtreechurch.com slash quest. And now for today's reading, listen to the word of the Lord. The book of Nehemiah, chapters one through eight, with a program note that for your own sake, I am not going to read the entire census of Jerusalem. So uh, you may want to scan that to get a perspective on Nehemiah's incredible gift as an organizer and an administrator. Chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws that you gave to your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave to your servant Moses, saying, If you were unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people 
are at the farthest horizon. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And I was cupbearer to the king. Chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. And when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king, and I had not been sad in the king's presence before. And so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you were not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? When will you get back? It pleased the king to send me and so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, and so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residences I occupy. And because the gracious hand of my father was on me, the king granted my request." And so I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters, and the king also sent army officers and a cavalry with me. When Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one that I was riding on, and by night I went through the valley gate and through the jackal well and the dung gate and examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. And then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, and there was not enough room for my mount to get through. And so I went up to the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble that we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let's start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. 
Uh, when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this that you were doing, they asked? Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Chapter 3. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hananel. And the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to him. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place, and Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section, and next to him was Meshullam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs, and next to him Zadok, son of Baana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to work under the supervisors. Then Jeshana Gate was repaired by Joiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshullam, the son of Besodiah. And they laid its beams and put on its doors with its bolts and its bars in its place. And next to them, repairs were made by the men of Gibeon from Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon, and Jadon, son of Maranoth, places under authority of the governor of the trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harahiah, and the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Harumav, also made repairs opposite of his house, and Hatush, son of Hashabaniah, made repairs next to him. Milkaijah, son of Harim and Hashub, and son of Pahahath Moab, repaired the other section and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halosheth, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zanoah, and they rebuilt it and put its doors with its bolts and its bars in its place, and they also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. He rebuilt it and put its doors with its bolts and its bars in its place. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kolhoheshet, and the ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing over it and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. And he also repaired the wall and the pool of Siloam by the king's garden as far as the steps going down to the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Zazbuk, the ruler of the half-district of Beth-Zur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him, repairs were made by the Levites and under Rehum, son of Bani, and beside him, Hashbiah, ruler of the half-district of Keilah, carried out repairs for his district, and next to him, the repairs were made by fellow Levites under Binui, son of Hanadad, ruler of the half-district of Keolai. Next to him, Azer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section, and from a point facing ascent to the armory as far as the angle of the wall. Next to him, 
Baruch, son of Zabi, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance to the house of Eliashib, the high priest. And next to him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region, and beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs to the front of their house, and next to him, Azariah, the son of Masai, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. Next to him, Benui, the son of Hadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle in the corner, and Palal, the son of Uzziah, worked opposite the angle in the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Padiah, the son of Parosh, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate towards the east and the projecting tower. Next to him, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. And next to them, Zadok, son of Emer, made repairs opposite of his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shekinah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zaloph, repaired another section. And next to him, Meshelam, son of Beriachai, made repairs opposite his living quarters. And next to him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple and the certs and the merchants, opposite the inspection gate. And as far as the room above the corner and between the room and the corner and the sheep gate and the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. Chapter 4. When Sanballat heard what they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, and he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his table, said, What they are building... Even a fox climbing up on it would break down the wall of their stones. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back onto their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So, we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached its half of its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, then they were very angry. They all plotted to come together and to fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the labors is giving out, and there's so much rubble, we cannot build the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Whenever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall in exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. And after I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. 
And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half of the men holding spears. From first light till dawn, the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards will with me took off our clothes. Each had its weapons, even when he went for water. Chapter 5. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and to stay alive, we, we must get grain. Others were saying, we're not mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get grain during a famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. And although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews through our children, are as good as theirs. And yet we have become subject to our own sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard the outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you were charging your own people interest? And so I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. And they kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. And so I continued. What you were doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, houses, and also the interest that you were charging them. One percent of the money, grain, new wine, olive oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything for, from them. We will do as you say. And then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way, may God shake out their house and possession anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Juna until his 32nd year, 12 years, 
Neither I nor my brothers ate food from the allotment to the governor. But earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them, in addition to food and to wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work, and on this wall, all my men were assembled there for the work, and we did not acquire any land. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every 10 days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. And in spite of all of this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on the people. Remember me with favor, my God, for all that I have done for these people. Chapter 6. When word came back to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sambalot and Geshep sent out a message, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, and so I sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me a message with the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sambalot sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter, which was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make the proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, and so come, let us meet together." I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you said is happening. You're just making it up out of your own head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delilah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut up in his home. And he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me, and so that I would commit sin by doing this, and that they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. And remember also the prophet Naodiah, and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah, and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. 
For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was the son-in-law to Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son, Jerohoahan, had married the daughter of Meshullam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said. And Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. Chapter 7. After the wall had been rebuilt, I set the doors in its place, the gatekeepers and the musicians and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, The gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot, and while the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also, appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. And so my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, the nobles, the officials, the common people for the registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been first to return. And this is what I found there. These are the people of the province who came up from captivity, of the exiles, from whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captivity. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town, in company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispereth, Bigvi, Nahum, and Baana. And then we have the long list of the men and the priests and the Levites and the musicians and the gatekeepers and the temple servants and the descendants of the servants of Solomon and those who came up from the towns, like of Telmela and Telharash and Kerub and Aden and Imner. And they searched for their family records, but they could not find them. And so that group was excluded from the priesthood as unclean. And the whole company was numbered 42,360. Besides their 7,337 male and female slaves, they also had 245 male and female singers. There were also 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. Some of the heads of the families contributed the work, and the governor gave to the treasury 1,000 derricks of gold, 50 bulls, and 530 garments of the priests. Some of the heads of the families gave to the treasury for the work 20,000 derricks of gold and 2,200 minas of silver. The total given by the rest of the people was 20,000 derricks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 garments for priests. And the priests and the Levites and the gatekeepers and the musicians and the temple servants, along with a certain of people, and the rest of the Israelites, settled in their own town. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled into their towns, chapter 8, all the people came together as in one in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law out before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. 
He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men and women and others who could understand it. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. And beside him on his right stood Mataniah, Shemaiah, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maasiah. And on his left were Padiah and Mishael and Melchijah and Hashem and Hashbanah and Zechariah and Meshalem. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Bekug, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Pelida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. And they read from the book of the law, making it clear giving the meeting so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites calmed all the people by saying, Be still. This is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of the food and to celebrate with great joy, because now they understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. He found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim his word and spread it throughout the towns in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country, bring back branches of olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles and palms and shade trees and make temporary shelters as it is written. And so the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs and their own courtyards in the courts of the house of God and in the square of the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company had returned from exile and built temporary shelters and lived in them. And from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear for the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day. 
nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plagues that destroy at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you so much for joining us today on our quest. And we hope that week in and week out, you're getting to experience and explore and discover God's incredible desire and search for you. If you have any further questions or want more information, go to peachtreechurch.com slash quest. And we would love to hear from you and hope that you are experiencing the wonder and the majesty of God as you listen to his word. And if you stay with us on the whole journey, I know you'll have this bigger perspective of life, of reality, and of your role in it. We're so glad that you're joining us, and we wish you God's very best. <laughs>